This is exactly right. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Welcome to That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. My name is Lisa Traeger. And my name is Kara Clank. And you know what this is. This is an SVU podcast where we break down an episode of our favorite show, Law & Order SVU, and then we talk about the true crime it was based on and interview an actor from the show. And like always, our guest is phenomenal. And we're pretty great in this episode as well. So be ready. (laughs) Buckle the fuck up. (laughs) So what's going on with you, Lisa? Well, I have a question and this might be delusional and insane, but (laughs) do you think Taylor Swift is listening to this podcast? No, I don't. But I don't. I do think it's possible that she could one day. I don't know. I know she's a huge fan, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what her podcasting thing is. Does Taylor Swift talk about podcasts? Does she listen? I mean, she might just be writing songs all day. She also does not follow anyone on Instagram. Not that she would go and follow us on Instagram, but I did right. check. I did check. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know why. It came. I think it's because I've been listening to Willow over and over again, but she named one of her cats Olivia Benson. Like, right. And I, I think that like when, if we get Mershka Hargitay one day, Taylor will probably tune in because they're like friends. The Bad Blood video. I mean, but that is um, that's a great goal. I think if you're a Swifty out there, please write to Taylor. Tag her about our podcast. I only made fun of her one time on television. Only once. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now they're not going to do it. No, yeah, cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) But I know she is. I know she is a massive fan and we would love for her to listen to us. But I just don't know if she I mean, my in my mind, she's always in like an oversized sweater with like a cup of tea writing songs by a fireplace in Nashville or something. So I don't really know. She's in London right now, I think, with her man. But also she's probably getting her steps in. There's no fucking way that Taylor doesn't need to get steps in. And what if she is listening to the pod? You're right. I just if Taylor, if you're listening, give us a sign. That's it. I've seen you in concert. <laughs> Send us a message from your Finsta. I know you have one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I went to your show at Staples Center, the 1989 tour. Yeah, it was amazing. I, but the funniest part was Beck and St. Vincent came out, and I've never seen an arena of teens be more pissed off. They're like, where the <laughs> fuck is Selena Gomez? <laughs> you know what's funny? This was reminding me of this. I lived in Italy, like, after college for a little bit. I lived in Rome, and there was this enormous concert at the um circus maximus and it was like some kind of global like well let's all get together all these artists were there oprah was there she came out and all my italian friends were like who is that (laughs) and it's like it was really it reminded me because i was thinking about it this week because of the harry and megan interview that was you know so huge and i was just like it it was really hard to explain. I was like, she's like a talk show host, like, but their talk shows are weird and different. They're not like the same. They're so I was like, um, she talks to people about their problems. Like, it was really hard to explain like who Oprah is. And I was like, she is the most famous person we have. I cannot believe you don't know who she is. I mean, this was in like 2004 or something. So maybe what concert was it? It was kind of like a band aid, like like we Got are it. the world type of like. It was some kind of global 
citizen concert. Do you remember any of the musicians? Or just Oprah took your breath away and you couldn't even focus. Just Oprah. That was huge. There were ba- famous bands there, but I don't remember. But I remember that my friends not knowing who Oprah was. So I went to the Oprah show when I was in high school um, and it was exciting. It was the Dance With Me episode. So we got to go to the movies, get snacks. We got a box lunch and then went to the Oprah show. Susan Lisa, Sarandon. this is a fucking, this is a dream for you. I oh. can't believe you've never told me about this. Oh yeah. J-Lo, Susan Sarandon, Richard Gere interviews i was with my mom and sister but it became dramatic because i missed swim practice to go to oprah and so the next day at practice my coach was like what the fuck um you were supposed to be at practice i go no i told you i had tickets to oprah and he said yeah but you said you'd try to make it and i have had the same personality for a while so i said (laughs) yeah i tried the show went long what you want me to take a private jet to practice and he said you know what I'm sick of your attitude and so is everyone else. And I said, I'm fucking sick of you. And I quit the swim team two weeks before senior meet. I had swam all year round for years. (laughs) And then the two weeks before like final conferences and presents and accolades, I was just like, go fuck yourself, bro. So well, (laughs) it sounds like he was disrespecting you and he was disrespecting Oprah. Yeah. Jason, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Kara, this concert in Rome was called We Are the Future. Oprah welcomed everybody. Alicia Keys was at it. Is that correct? Yes. Carlos Santana, oh. Nora Jones. Yes. Oh my God. Man, I can't it was in May 17th, 2004. I, yep. <laughs> Andrea Bocelli sang. Naomi Campbell was there. Angelina Jolie, Quincy Jones. We were very far back. I mean, like the Circus Maximus is big. Like it was kind of like a drinking, smoking, hanging out type of thing. So we were like kind of far back and I remember Alicia Keys being there for sure. And that's wild. Wow. I remember Quincy Jones too. It was a benefit for children. Yes. And it seemed like my Italian friends more knew who Quincy Jones was than Oprah. And I was like, how the fuck do you not know who Oprah is? Wow. Hannah, I she just, just brought me back to that. Wow. Yeah. She was kind of like an SVU therapist that, that recovers memories. <laughs> yes. You literally. <laughs> that was wild. Um, okay. Did you cry when Andrea, uh, but well, I can't say his name, but when Bocelli. I actually met Andrea Bocelli before. What? I worked at the um, 2006 Olympics in Torino and I worked for the Today Show and he was on the Today Show. So I was like escorting him and he was with his wife, who, by the way, was just kind of dragging him around. Like there were steps. I was like, be careful. He can't see. <laughs> like she was just kind of pulling him. I was like, I don't know. We, he, we had to take him downstairs into this green room. And, and, and she just felt like she was not being sensitive to his. Can I admit I only found out he was blind this year? <laughs> Hannah. Wait, our engineer just texted, wait, he's blind? <laughs> wait, people don't know that? Wow. No, just Hannah and Annalise don't. The rest of the world does. Um, so I met him and he was very nice. And um, but yeah, hearing him sing is amazing. He's really out of this world. And you have um you te- you texted me about this, but then we didn't oh get gosh. into details. Um, so I just thought this might be relevant for our audience. I this week had the opportunity to go and take a tour of the house in Los Angeles where the LaBianca family was murdered by the Manson family. Um, it's like a notorious house in L.A. It's a for sale right now. So I was able to go look at it with a friend who was looking at it. And it was just like, ooh, like I just walked in and was like, 
I don't know. I was trying to feel the spirits. What's the price? Like, is it cheaper because of the murders? Do they have to make sure creeps who aren't obsessed with the Manson family don't buy it? Well, you know, I actually thought that the murder might actually make it worth more. But it is the thing with the house is that it's on a gorgeous piece of land, like almost 360 degree views of L.A., like beautiful, beautiful piece of land. The house needs work. So you can only you know, you can only ask so much when like you need to do some work to the house. So I don't know, like you can redfin it. I mean, it's like, I think they want 2 million. And was your friend interested in buying it? They might want to buy it. Damn, we should do a seance. I know. If they buy it, for sure. We're Ouija boarding. I'm scared, but you know, I really want to meet a ghost. (laughs) I do know that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you feel any vibes? No, I didn't. But I don't know if I'm attuned to that the way you are. Like I didn't feel any vibes, but I was definitely trying to like, picture it or not oh that sounds bad I was definitely trying to like be like oh my gosh like where did it happen like because they are the most um the Tate murders and stuff you could almost on you they they've almost connected it to like how people knew Charlie Manson and he had maybe been to that house before or and maybe he was trying to send a message about Hollywood and stuff like that you know like that didn't seem completely random the LaBianca seemed like very random it was just like a couple in their home that were murdered so it's like so scary to me. <laughs> there wasn't any, like someone in his family didn't hate them for some weird reason. Yeah. So I don't think there was a connection to the Manson family in the house. I think there was maybe something where he had been next door, um, which, by the way, speaking of next door, there's some house that's kind of near this house that it's a retirement home for monks or convent or something that Katy Perry is allegedly buying. And I've actually heard a lot about this on another podcast I listened to that Katy Perry has been having a lot of issues moving into this monastery slash convent that she bought in L.A. But well, they didn't you know. want to sell it to her. I heard she just like is like, I want this monastery. Yeah. And that's that <laughs> like <laughs> very Veruca salt of her. Um <laughs> And before we get into SVU and crime and all of that, I do want to remind everyone we do have merch and you should buy it because yes, I'm moving back it's to warming LA. up. <laughs> it's warming up where you live. I'm sure everyone's posting. New York was like 62 degrees this week. Get one of these hot pink tank tops. It's so soft and lovely. Get a pin, get a mug, get a tumbler. Let's get a sweatshirt. Come on, guys. Yeah. And then tag us if you wear or use anything because yeah. we love attention. <laughs> so that's all our scoop taylor swift reach out and now it's time <laughs> to dive right into svu baby so this episode is broken rhymes season 18 episode 6 it is a tough one i would say gut-wrenching but also great fashion so you know, let's get into it. Um, we start the episode in a nude model art class, which is thrilling. And the teacher's babbling and there's two cool girls talking. And one of them's like, I'd rather bang him than draw him. I immediately like her. She has a fake tattoo choker necklace and a pixie cut. So she is alternative. And then the other girl, <laughs> the other girl leaves early for a lunch date. So we're like, oh, what's going on? And the cool must girl- be a pretty hot lunch date to rip yourself away from this Adonis that we're being <laughs> that we're sitting here drawing um so one of the cool girls leaves for lunch and uh she's trying on necklaces and it's kind of like an indoor bazaar type lunch place and i feel like i've been there when my friend from london visited like, I, know, I was trying to think of where that was i was like i've never been to anything like that in new york but i feel it's lower east side i feel like i've been there but 
I don't, who knows? So she has a green bomber jacket on, gold shoes. She's looking cool. And then it looks like she's waiting for someone to meet her at lunch. And she sees a sign for a bathroom and she decides to go to the bathroom. And once there's a close up of someone locking the stall door, you know, something terrible is about to happen. And it does. Um, And what's cool is very 2020, 21 ish. She takes out butt wipes and like starts wiping down stuff. So I kind of enjoyed that. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I've never done that <laughs> lisa renna style um there's also a rug in the bathroom which i've never seen in a public restroom like who is changing out the rugs i would wager to say that's not okay <laughs> that's, we can't so we see a guy with a pipe walk into the bathroom very scary and he's just standing there and then of course we see a woman in the bathroom start to get attacked by this man with the pipe and it's not great now we are in the crime scene. Benson's there. Rollins is there. There's a uniformed police officer and she hands over the driver's license and the Vic is transgendered. We find out like we probably assumed that the victim did get attacked with the pipe. She was beaten and sexually assaulted. And this happened in the bathroom. And yeah. Is it a hate crime? And dun dun, it's the fucking credits. <laughs> dun dun, it's the fucking credits. <laughs> so we're back and we meet this mom and daughter duo and they walked into the bathroom and found the victim. It's a Karen style type blonde woman who is so rude, such a bitch. I just hated her so much. And she's being rude. She's like, oh, is it a her or a him? I don't know. Whatever. Fuck this. Like, just she didn't say fuck. Obviously, it's NBC. But She's being so rude. And the mom, like the daughter is trying to be compassionate. Like the daughter is maybe eight and wants to help and just sees humans as humans. And this mom is like, shut up, Sophie. And like, won't let (laughs) Sophie tell the truth. And she keeps shutting her up and interrupting her. And Benson and Rollins are trying to communicate. And the mom is just like, my daughter's too young for this. Shut up. But we do um, get the information that there was a guy running away who was black in his late 20s, early 30s. I think he had blood on his clothes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sophie says the guy was big. She doesn't know anything else. And Benson is being sarcastic as fuck when she walks away and is like, thanks for your time, bitch. Uh, Again, does not swear. (laughs) It is NBC. (laughs) But she then the mom continues to say it was a matter of time before something like this happened. Why can't people use the bathroom they were born into? Is it that fucking hard? I I mean, the idea that people are born into a certain bathroom is the craziest (laughs) philosophy I've ever heard in my life. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, we. Oh be, I feel God. like we all just used to piss on each other in a hut. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Like, when they pull my baby out, they're like, it's a girl's room. Like, no, it's <laughs> like, I. it's so crazy, like, that, that we're born with, like, a bathroom assignment. It's just And nuts. I feel very ahead of the times, because when I was 19, 20, I worked at a hair salon that had unisex bathrooms. That's amazing. And when I was in elementary school, I feel like I used to use the boys' bathroom all the time if there was a shorter line. I've used the men's bathroom a million times in my life, and I shouldn't get murdered for it. No, nobody (sighs) should, and this is fucked up. So um, we're at the hospital. It it reminded me of Big Sick Vibes. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but, like, with the parents. Uh, I have seen it, for sure. Yes. (laughs) You are good friends with the stars. Um, Okay. (laughs) 
So the victim is Eva. She's an art student from New Jersey and very fucked up. She's in the hospital and she's lucky to be alive. Benson is clear this is a hate crime and she's talking to the parents and seeing if there's any relationship issues, any scoop from them. And there is a boyfriend named Logan and they broke up, got back together last week, but they've been fighting because he thought she was seeing somebody else, yada, yada. They're at Logan's office, obviously. He is a lawyer and they find very mean text between them, very Katie and Tom from Vanderpump. Um, You know, sometimes when people fight, they don't fight fair. But Logan didn't like that Eva was modeling and partying and going to clubs and being super cool. But her agency fired her last Thursday from Panda Club because of an altercation she had. I want to go to Panda Club, I'll be honest. Um, (laughs) So they head to the bar to get scoop about what happened on Thursday and the altercation and the bar manager, comic book nerd looking man. He is a jerk too. It's like everyone they talk to, to help with this case is a fucking asshole. Yeah. Like, so this guy is like, Oh God. I mean, you can't even look at a trans person without getting fired. I'm minding my business. You can't even, and it, it's just like, you obviously deserve to get fired. You Like, I, I right. just, it bothers me so much. Just like treat people like they're people. And then honestly, he kind of, he's sort of like racist too. He's like, I don't really get into the hip hop thing. Like, you're like, okay, you are, you just like, he's like, I like country music. I'm like, so just white stuff for you. Got it. Not that I don't, I love country music, but I also you love You do not. I love country music. You like Dolly and Casey. Yeah, but I also love the chicks. I also love Garth Brooks. I mean, I, I like a lot of country, but. I don't listen to like contemporary country besides Casey. You're right. But the I also love hip hop. Like I love hip hop. So I'm just saying this person, this guy running this place is making it very clear who he is. Yes. So there is video footage from that evening and we see Eva slapping a man on camera and Ice-T with all his insight goes, that slap looks personal. So... We go to the precinct and Eva is still on life support. It doesn't look good. So the man being slapped, he was on the guest list to come to this party. And the guest list belongs to Vincent Love, who is a big record man. And guess who plays him? Fucking Wyclef Jean. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's like a music CEO. He's like a L.A. Reid type, you know, like a a hit maker kind of guy. Hopefully LA Reed is not so evil. Let's Well, no, of course. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> let's hope LA Reed has a little bit more um, compassion <laughs> and humanity. And Vincent says that he got Eva kicked out for slapping Hype. Hype is his new artist. He's straight out of the hood. And I think Wyclef in this episode is one of the best dressed characters and most expensive that we've ever seen. Um it's like cool sweaters, suit coats, patterns. It's just he looks fucking rich. It's yeah. it's really um, great costuming. He does not give a shit. Eva's in a coma. He li- he is the best actor. I don't know what it is. It's like, hmm, okay, I guess that's upsetting. Like, I don't have the word for it. It's like so cocky, fake gesture, fake sarcastic. Like, it's it is really loose and goofy for what is happening. Um, And he just starts talking about hype and how they're working on this new album. And he even made a, and so basically he's saying that hype made a joke that Eva didn't like. And so Eva slapped him. So of course they have to visit hype. Let's keep it moving. So they visit hype and a man in a tank top with giant muscles and gold chains opens the door. And this is one of my favorite exchanges. Uh, Carisi's in a suit and he goes, 
So this is the thing. He says Zignia for the he suit. He says Zenia. I think he's talking about Emerelda Zenia. It is Zenia. Okay. Yeah. I listened to him say it so many times, then went to Google Translate, and nothing was matching up, and it was so hard. <laughs> and yeah, so he goes, Zenia, Armani, and then Carisi goes, Capriccio. He lives, he lives two blocks away from where I grew up in Staten Island. And I just love how much they beat us over the head that he's an Italian good boy. You but know? also like, the suit is not that nice looking. It's like a brown shit colored suit. Like it's like, do you think he was fucking with him? Yes. Okay. I think he was totally shading him uh, for not having a good suit. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so Carisi just came back and was like, I know it's shitty. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I got work to do. (laughs) So Hype is wearing all white and he looks hot. Hype is awful. He calls Eva a freak and they said, like, go arrest him. He slapped me. But when they say that Eva's in a coma, you can tell he's surprised, shocked, sad. There's more to this. They know each other. Like, he's trying to play it off like he didn't care. But we're SVU professionals. We know he fucking cared. Mm -hmm. But he keeps misgendering her and saying he he made jokes and she got pissed. So Hype is saying he's never seen Eva before and the man with the gold chains and the muscles says, listen, we got to lay down some tracks, so please leave. And that guy's name is Cash. He's important. And that name is on his birth certificate. If (laughs) you're wondering, I saw it. So they're back at the precinct and the whole gang is there and Amanda finds a clue. Someone posted on Instagram a photo of hype outside of Cypress Market. Even though he said he was in the studio all day, he's clearly lying and he was at the fucking scene of the crime. So they bring in hype for questioning. Like, why are you lying? Why were you here? Why? You know, she got attacked. Like, what's going on? And then Carisi starts rapping hype's lyrics to him. And it's... (laughs) Just the idea of him rapping sends Kara into a giggle storm. I love it. (laughs) I respect all of the listeners who have a boner for Carisi. I cannot, I cannot myself muster one, but like, he just is such a dork, like reading these rap lyrics, but I get, I get why he's doing it. And it's important. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, The lyrics are like very transphobic and about killing trans people. And they're just like very hateful raps. And then they show him the picture outside the market to prove that he's lying. And he goes, yeah, I stepped out for lunch. Like, what's the big deal? And Carisi does the classic cop game where it's like, you know, if you lie to us, we can't we can't do anything for you. If you tell us the truth, we'll help you. Hype is like, I did not touch that person. And Ice-T makes a great point. He's like, what do you mean you're going to let this chick slap you in front of all of your boys and you're going to think it's okay?" And I fucking love Hype's answer here. He goes, you think being slapped is going to demasculate me or like, I don't give a fuck. And I just love that answer where it's like, you're not going to play your, you know, toxic masculinity games with me. I'm a fucking man and I don't have to prove shit. If a chick wants to slap me, she gets to slap me. And so I just found that very profound. And the thing is, this market is um, only two blocks away from the studio and he eats lunch there all the fucking time. So it could be a total coincidence. Amanda and Olivia are talking behind the two-way mirror of this investigation, and they know he is lying about something, but they can't figure it out. And then some amazing work from Rollins. Hype isn't the only one lying. Security cameras catch Logan lying, and that's Eva's boyfriend from earlier. He actually took a long-ass lunch from 1130 to 145, and then, I love this exchange. I don't know if I'm reading into things that aren't there at all, but Benson goes, that's not a quick lunch, and Rollins goes, unless you're in Italy and Benson goes, well, he's not. 
and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's cute. It's I don't know kind of, a, it. yeah, it's a really dorky joke, but it's true. They do take long lunches in Italy. So where was Logan? Logan was meeting with a Midtown doctor and it's Dr. Kenzit who's going to do surgery for Eva for her transition, but she changed her mind and he was trying to get his $5,000 deposit back. And basically he explains that she was seeing a guy that liked her just the way she was and that she didn't want surgery anymore. And it's also like, Logan, maybe you should like her the way she is. But anyways, Mm -hmm. so they ask if Logan knows who this guy that Eva is seeing is. And he does not. But he saw them in the park together and he took photos. Who's in the photo in the park? Fucking Cash Lewis. What is going on? So Cash Lewis, they have to go talk to him, see what's going on. And he's eating the whole time. They're questioning him. And I love a man that's committed to lunch like this. He is not taking a break. (laughs) He is eating the whole time and he has orange soda. And I want orange soda so fucking bad right now. (laughs) So he says that he met Eva in the park to pay her out $50,000 because Eva wrote some of Hype's rap music and uh, they needed her to stay anonymous and okay um and then he calls her a freak and they're all just so mean i just like can't believe that every single person that they end up talking to is such a dick and i can't imagine having to experience this constantly all the time with people thinking so many mean things about you so they do find the check that cash gave to eva in they call it a waste basket. Do you ever say waste basket? No, I think I just say garbage, but like, yeah. you know, yeah, that is a, that is a word. I mean, <laughs> I was just like, did you find a thesaurus, Carisi? I don't It's garbage. <laughs> But the check is super ripped up. And Benson's like, why would she rip this check up? Like, what's going on? And Sonny says, maybe it's of principle. And we get a beautiful Finn line that reads just like Ice-T's Twitter. Um, And he goes, cash the check first and worry about principle later. So thank you. (laughs) Great tidbits. Uh, They're at the precinct. They're trying to crack the code. When they get a phone call that they found Hype's DNA under Eva's fingernails, DNA does not fucking lie. So we have him. So Rollins is tailing him. He's in the cab and he's headed towards the hospital where Eva is. And Ice-T's like, fuck, he's crazier than I thought. And then Rollins trips him like this is the Three Stooges. He goes flying and then everyone takes their guns out, which kind of, I don't know why, because it is SVU, but I got startled. I didn't like all this gun action here. So he's on the floor. There's gun. He's wearing a maroon bomber jacket. And I do feel like they matched up like Eva's green bomber jacket from the beginning and this maroon one of hypes to connect them. Maybe. I'm reading too much into fashion, but (laughs) I think it's purposeful that they're both wearing complimentary bomber jacket colors. So that's just uh, a theory I have. Um, So they're at the precinct. They're like, we found DNA. What the fuck? You need to tell us. And then he goes, can you keep a secret for real? And then we hear Benson go for real. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. So (laughs) like, I just want Benson saying for real all the time. So he reveals that they had sex, they were dating, they were in love. And Ice-T looks so confused. All of his forehead wrinkles are working. Like he has never looked more confused. (laughs) Ice-T is not allowed to get Botox. He's not allowed. (laughs) Those signature forehead wrinkles are too important. And so Ice-T is now explaining to the rest of the squad what reputations and street cred are. I guess 20, 18 years in the precinct uh, hasn't taught them. Well, I think it's kind of funny, too, that they let like Ice-T do that kind of thing because he is an actual rapper in real life and like, you know, did do like hardcore gangster rap. So it's like... 
It's a little bit of a wink, I think. We know that Finn knows what he's talking about because in real life, he's a fucking, like, a hardcore rapper. Um, and they're at the soda machines, which I love. I love a little change of scenery. And I always want them eating and drinking more. But um, Benson gets pretzels. Ice gets soda. I'm thrilled. We find out it's for hype and I'm a fucking idiot. And I just like snacks way too much. <laughs> and the, the crew is discussing the case at the machines and how, what reputation matters. Benson goes, it's 2016. And it's like, we're now in 2021 and still nothing has changed. It seems like it. the show is so fucked up and how little things change but Carisi admits that he has family members that are probably transphobic Rollins says mine too it's not just gangster rap it's fucking everything and I see he's got to admit he's confused by gender fluidity but we wouldn't expect anything else from ice and I think Benson's jacket is velvet if it's not I'm gonna pretend it is so <laughs> hype says he went to the hospital to check on her they met at a party three months ago and ice tea's like why did Eva slap you and basically he ignored her at the party because he didn't want anyone to know that they knew each other and she was fucking pissed and then shocker hype had no idea that cash was paying Eva for quote unquote writing music for him. He had no idea. He gets mad. He's like, I write all my own fucking music. What are you talking about? And they go, okay, but why were you at Cypress market? And they were going to have lunch. She was tired of their relationship being on the DL and he freaked out. He changed his mind. He like couldn't go through with being in public with her. Um, and so he went to a bar and drank a bunch of peach schnapps and went back to the studio. <laughs> oh my God. That's a really insane middle of the day drink too. Like, it is. And we are we always find it funny that the bartenders remember remember everybody, but in this case the bartender says no one has ordered peach schnapps in 5 years, so of course we remember him. Now that's the other thing if you go to a bar and you order peach schnapps you're getting an old old ass bottle of liquor. Like no one orders that. It's been sitting there on a shelf for a long ass time. I'm a Rumplemints girl. Oh, I was in my in my mid twenties. In your day. In my day, because I used to actually do a joke about it, I think, but it's like you have minty fresh breath. It's fucking 100% proof. I mean, you get so fucked up and you're ready to make out and it tastes like toothpaste. I don't know. I, I was a big Rumplemints girl in my day. Um, what is going on? We... Need to find out. So um, Benson says, let's bring back Karen and her daughter, Sophie. And her name is not Karen, but it might as well be. <laughs> um, I just read a statistic that no one in Canada has named their child Karen since like 2019. <laughs> not one birth certificate, Karen. Um, so Karen and her daughter from the beginning of the episode are back in the squad room and this bitch won't stop interrupting her daughter who is trying to help. Like, <laughs> I, thank God for Sophie. I hope she emancipates herself from this dumb bitch. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so Benson is sick of this woman interrupting her, this daughter. And this is like, I mean, I didn't know if I was turned on or scared or excited. I just like felt every emotion in my body. Benson goes, you know what? Um, we need to talk outside of the office. Let's go. And she lays into her. I mean, the hair on my arms stood up. It felt truly, it was truly like, I need to see you by yourself, like a teacher in school. Like it had those vibes. Like you're in fucking trouble. Like you Benson wants to see you alone. Up. So Benson takes this Karen out into the hallway and legit just rips into her in a way that 
she is seething and as and the Karen keeps you know saying man in a dress she's a freak why does my daughter need to do this and Mariska is like if you fuck with my investigation I will put you in jail you dumb dumb bitch and is like humanizing Eva and is like she has parents she's an art student her parents have job like wh- who the fuck are you and what if Sophie turns out to be trans or gay or I don't know so many different things are you gonna fucking treat her like this it's just disgusting i love this speech and karen puts her tail between her legs and they go back inside and sophie ids cash money and remember the tattoo on his neck because it reminded her of spongebob sophie you deserve a medal (laughs) then we get your guys's favorite human ever um our listeners are so wet for barba i never knew I never knew. I mean, the Barbara love. The Barbara Brigade, as Lisa the, has dubbed yeah. them. The Barbara Brigade is real. You guys, I feel like more people want to fuck Barbara at this point than Carisi and Stabler together. Or maybe they're just the loudest. I'm going to say con- something controversial. I was always waiting for a storyline of him to come out. I, yeah. I really I really thought he was gay. That's why I never put him and Olivia together as a love interest. Like we put a poll up on our Instagram that's like, who do you like for Olivia? And all these people are like, Barbara, Barbara, Barbara. The actor is very handsome. The man is very, very awesome. But I just I just didn't get I got brother sister vibes from them because I always thought that he was eventually going to confess that he was um, a gay man. But I I could you know, that's my own. That's well, my yeah. own no, you're right. He's wearing vests. He's wearing fucking vests <laughs> to court. That's a lot of flair. So unfortunately, the rape case turned into a murder investigation and Eva died an hour ago and she did not make it. So oh, it's really so upsetting. Sad. It's really sad. So they go to Cash's apartment to arrest that motherfucker and Cash is bleeding He is on the ground. He's breathing, but barely. And Hype is there. There's bloody footsteps that lead to Hype. And Hype did this. Hype fucking beat the shit. Shot. I don't know what happened. He did something to Cash. And Hype, this guy, Mitchell Edwards, is an amazing actor. He's like, please don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. We're in the squad room. He's wearing a white long sleeve shirt with red blood. And it's so bright. And... He has a piece of shit lawyer with him. And you could tell this guy is not good news. He has like long hair and a sh- I, he's just, the, ah, I'm so mad. I'm about to be like fucking so mad. This, he's not the like time. the fun kind of Jewish old man lawyer. He's no. like a young douchey prep school lawyer. Yes. Thank you for helping me use words. <laughs> <laughs> and Hype is saying that he got mad about something with the contract was wrong and uh, like no one believes him. And I also, again, Carisi is like, what's got into it mean? (laughs) Which I love. Um, (laughs) So the lawyer is like touching Hype's back and leading him in a way and like coaching him. And basically he's saying it's just about 5% in the contract. So he signed this contract and then all of a sudden the same day Eva dies is saying that he read the contract, thought he was getting fucked over, went to Cash's house and shot Cash because of 5%. Like... It's not the fucking truth. And the lawyer and Hype are lying. And Benson believes him and just wants justice. Benson is good and wants to help him. And they need to take the shirt off Hype's back for evidence. And Hype has an amazing body. This is 
great body, best body on S view. I would say, <laughs> I don't know why they put him in clothing the rest of the episode. They get a hit on the gun and it belongs to Vincent love. And they go to Vincent love's office and he's wearing a snake Gucci collared shirt. Hello. <laughs> um, and again, do you have the word for how why Clef is acting? Like it's, he just has like a lot of swagger. Like swagger. he's just really like unbothered, completely unbothered. Like just, you could, it seems like you could throw anything at him. You could like tell him that you just killed his mom and he'd be like, people going to die. You know, like he's just <laughs> yes. too chill. Like it's, it's, it's chill to a suspicious degree. Yes. Thank you for all of those perfect descriptors. He's <laughs> like so smug. And then um, they're like, you know, where's your gun? And he opens the drawer and he goes, whoops. I thought it did. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. So the gun is not where it usually is. They ask if hype was there. And at that exact moment, Finn runs up panting. He looked at the security footage with the door guys and hype was there in the afternoon. And they talk about Eva again. And love is misgendering Eva again, saying she, or is it he? I don't remember. And then Carisi goes, you had it right the first time instantly. I'm turned on. And then, <laughs> So then Vincent Love digs into his hateful heart some more and legit is like he and Ice-T then divulges all the information, says Eva and Hype were involved, tells Vincent everything. And Vincent goes, listen, I didn't know anything about it. His face acting is incredible. He's like a cartoon with his eyes and forehead movements. It's very silly. And then when the detectives leave, his eyes change and he's like glaring at them. And it's like, it, what a, it's kind of how I act when people take photos. Like I'll smile in a photo. And as soon as the flash is done, I'm back to like fucking anger. <laughs> this is him. Not that I'm angry all the time or anything, but I, I do that though. So they all know that hype is lying about everything. But Barbara says, even if he tells the truth, it's not self-defense because he drove 60 blocks after stealing the gun after three hours. So there's, you know, premeditation there. So, but they, do explain to hype if you tell the truth about eva i will give you five years not 25 years and he says no it's a business dispute i don't give a shit and he goes i'm not a mm, f word and it's just like really fucking sad and benson looks so heartbroken and just the language and hype's decisions and it's just like take manslaughter take manslaughter like you're yeah. about to fucking go to jail for you know, 20 years. And he's being handled by this bad lawyer who's Vincent Love's lawyer. So he's looking out for Vincent Love and the giant record label and money and reputation. He's not looking out for this guy. And here we learn that the lawyer's name is Hampton. So bad fucking news. No yeah. one. We know a Hampton and sorry, but it's a bad name. And he is talking hype out of this deal. And like Vincent Love orchestrated all of this. They knew it. He threw the party. He tried to pay her off. He got her beat, but there's no evidence. And Barbara's like, I play with the law. Okay. Like I'll get you a warrant, but you need to find me proof. They fucking find proof. They find a tape of Vincent Love planning this attack on Eva. And like, what are we going to do to shut this woman up two days before the attack? And now Barbara is offering even a better deal. He's like, I'll give you man too. only three years in jail. So 
then we can go after Vincent Love for murdering Eva. Like, fucking do this. And the lawyer is being bad. And Benson is like, shut your fucking mouth. Let your client speak. And he's like, it's not his job to speak. And she says, then speak for his behalf. And it's just, I love Benson so much. And Hype, just, he knows it. He admits he knows it. He knows exactly what they did. But... He's not going to snitch. He's not going to turn on Vincent Love. Benson is pleading with him. You're going to spend 25 years in jail while they make money off of your music. Hampton is not serving time. Not Vince Love. Nobody. You are. And you could tell he's conflicted and thinking. And then he just bites his lip and says, see you in court. And that's it. It's like, yeah. it's it's heartbreaking. Um, and We're at Supreme Court part eight. Listen, the core, it's kind of classic. It's the opening arguments and we see like we know what's going to happen. The lawyer Hampton is basically phoning it in. It's the worst set I've ever seen of an opening case. He could barely care. He's not really fighting for his client. It's not a good opening line. And it's more about how good he is at music. Like, it's just awful. And then Eva's parents are in the courtroom crying. And I don't understand why they're there. Why are Eva's parents at court? Go home. Uh, it is weird that they're there because, well, I guess they want to see if the man who killed their daughter, if his murderer is going to go to j- I don't know. It is weird that they're there because this isn't the trial of their daughter's killer. No, it's like what you're here to just be traumatized. Like, I, I know. go home, drink some yeah. tea, cry. I I do love them, though. They were so they were like so accepting of their daughter when she came out to them and everything and was transitioning and. I, I just love them, but yeah. you're right. They didn't need to be there. <laughs> I don't think they needed to be there. <laughs> um, Hype's on the stand and Barbara is amazing at what he does. So he does an amazing good job at him. And he's like, so you signed this contract two months ago. And then all of a sudden on a Wednesday afternoon, you decide to just read this contract and go start a fight with cash. Like you're fucking lying. What is, you know, it's just bad. Yeah. <sighs> It's sad. The verdict comes in. Murder, second degree. They find the defendant guilty. And then Hype looks shocked. And it's like, why are you shocked? What You knew this was going to happen. Probably because Hampton told him, no, no jury's going to convict you. There's not enough evidence. We've got a pretty good story. Like, Hampton's in on this. This is like, if he appealed, I think he could get a retrial based on, um, like, bad counsel or whatever that law is. Damn. And so... Yeah, Vincent Love is evil as fuck. We see his face in the courtroom looking satisfied. And then Benson on the court steps says to Barbara, three lives destroyed because a woman named Eva was born a boy. And Barbara then says, hype single just hit number one. And they walk down the court steps to fight justice another day as there is a row of red porta potties lined up in the distance. <laughs> So poetic. <laughs> you you it. really find, you always find the beauty in Law & Order SVU, Lisa. Uh, that was a great recap of a very harrowing episode. They've done a lot of, I think this show has done a lot of great episodes about um, the trans community. And this one was, yeah, just obviously very heartbreaking. Let's take a break and I'll walk you through the real life info. <laughs> All right, we are back, back, back again. So this episode, Broken Rhymes, aired in November of 2016, and that's about a year after a transgender porn star named Mia Isabella 
made tabloids in the summer of 2015 for an alleged relationship with the rapper Tyga. Now, everything here is alleged. I don't want to get sued. This is all this is all rumors, although it's like, you know, there it was covered by the press where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't think this is completely made up, but uh, that's just my opinion. Nothing has been proven. That's just my opinion. This is just my opinion. <laughs> um, Tyga, which I thought was just like a stylized way of saying tiger, actually stands for thank you, God, always. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Thank That's you so much. <laughs> so all I knew about Tyga was that he had dated Kylie Jenner. And um, I just completely never put it together that Tyga was first with Black China, with whom he had a son. Black China, if you don't know who she is, is described online as like a socialite and a entrepreneur. I don't really know. She's just kind of like a figure. But socialites come from rich families. And I don't know if she comes from like a dynasty. I know, but I think she's just she would be considered like a hip hop socialite because she's been in videos. She's just like is part of that community without actually making music. She gets name dropped in rap songs like I don't know. That's I guess where that comes from that's was on her wikipedia that she's a socialite <laughs> so what's crazy yeah he has a taiga has a son named um king cairo with black china and he first broke up with her in 2014 he confirmed his relationship with kylie jenner a few months later she was 17 they basically started flirting at her 17th birthday party when he was 25 which i think is not okay and then in 2016 black china started dating kylie's brother rob kardashian and has a child with him that's how wild this fucking family is, the Kardashians. So if you can follow all that. But back to the quote unquote scandal in um, on July 6th of 2015, while Tyga is dating Kylie, a gossip blogger named B. Scott dropped a quote unquote exclusive with an email they received that alleged that Tyga and a transgender actress named Mia Isabella had been in an ongoing relationship for three years. So this is an affair that actually started when he was with China, allegedly. Everything is alleged. There was a possible sex tape between Tyga, Mia Isabella, and then a model that she was roommates with named Capri, who was, I guess, once linked to Charlie Sheen. I don't know. I'm the gossip. The gossipy person in me is like, that's important. So apparently the plan for Mia and Tyga to like explain if they ever got found out was just to connect themselves through their career. She's a fashion stylist. She's a consultant for his brand. She apparently had like a really big fashion career, I think, before she started getting into pornography and uh, acting and stuff like that. And um, the email alleges that her close friends knew all about this relationship. It was not a secret and that they even invited other people into their sex life. The blog has a quote that says, clearly for her, he's been willing to risk it all, having made plans to see each other just a couple weeks ago and never stopping their relationship through a baby mama and an alleged girlfriend. They seem to have a lot of love for each other, even as she was being courted by a boxer named Jean Pascal she had no interest in. So the blog post that blew this up included a ton of screenshots, including text messages and full frontal nudes of Tyga. But they were taken down by Tyga's legal team. And I just thought it was really funny. The blog wrote Tyga's legal team wasn't really feeling those photos. So we've been asked to take them down. We obliged. It was fun while it lasted. But it ain't over. Stay tuned. I love these blogs. They're so well, funny. Well, it's also just so enjoyable because usually we're just talking about like horrific murders and cigarette burns. Yeah, and this is just rapes. And, and I yeah. just... I I love that it's um, blogs and <laughs> full frontal nudes. Like, it's just, it's kind of, you know, it's enjoyable. Yeah. So this full frontal nude of Tyga showed a bunch of his tattoos. He's very heavily tattooed. So, you know, it was like, it's hard to say this is somebody else, you know? 
after this comes out the next day, Tyga tweets, quote, the devil's working hard today, end quote. And then all these hip hop blogs are accusing me of lying and conjuring evil, quote unquote. It's like she's in the craft or something. What do you mean? (laughs) Um, Then about seven weeks later, August 26th, the story escalated when some sports blogger named Therese Owens, who like is some self-proclaimed sports king. I don't know who he is claimed that Mia was also in a long-term relationship with Colin Kaepernick. And he writes, this sounds far-fetched, but who knows what the world we live in these days. His blog looks janky as hell, and he literally just states this rumor with zero evidence. Like, at least B. Scott's uh, site had screenshots and, like, you know, texts and stuff. This Kaepernick thing, like, he just was like, this is what I heard. And, like, Kaepernick has obviously never addressed these rumors. Back to the Tyga scandal i i hate calling i keep calling it a scandal in quotes because i don't think it's a scandal for a man to be in love with a trans woman uh, i think the only the only part of the scandal here is somebody having you know nudes leaked of them against their will or without their permission that's obviously a crime and not not cool um but according to tyga's legal team the fbi is working on it and tyga was hacked so they claim that somehow someone else like he they hacked his phone got these nudes created this fake relationship with this transgender porn star. I just doesn't, that doesn't really add up for me. When everybody always is like, I was hacked. I'm like, I just don't believe it, but okay. Meanwhile, another trans model said she was paid for, uh, by Tyga for sex. And that he has done the same with other trans women, more power to him. If that's what he's into, go for it. I mean, I don't understand why anyone needs to be in his business. Although we are talking about it on our podcast. So I guess we're guilty. Well, uh, so I think it's the cheating too. And I wonder if he wasn't links to Kylie, if we would even know about him out right. you know, Like I didn't know about Tyga until Kylie Jenner was dating him. I think it definitely helped, but I also think he's won awards for his music. I think people think he's really good. I don't okay. know. I, I don't actually like know a lot of his music. You're, but you're right. Like, it would definitely not have been as sensational if he wasn't dating one of the most famous people in the world. Yeah, I bet That's he would have just doubt. been dating and paying whoever and doing whatever. Yeah. Um. So then Mia uh, spoke out publicly and said, it's very sad that the idea of a man loving a trans person has to be considered a scandal when all people are equal. She said this to VH1. She said, if a celebrated man loves a transgender woman or possibly did, that's news. It shouldn't be news. It should be normal for anyone and everyone to be allowed to love who they choose. Totally agree. Much like the character Eva in the episode, Mia's parents were very supportive of her identity and transition like when she came out. So I think she's loosely based on this character. Tyga publicly denied it on the radio saying, I'm like, damn, who's making this shit up? He said on Atlanta Streets 94.5 when asked about it. You're making me as happy as Benson going for real. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> somebody really, he also said, quote, somebody really got something against me up top somewhere. So he thinks this is like a full conspiracy to take him down from a top level, creating this fake relationship, which I don't know. That sounds a little house of cards level crazy to me, but. Maybe it's true. Maybe somebody is like conspiring to take him down. So then Tyga denied it on the radio in the winter of 2016. A couple of weeks later, Mia spoke out finally and said that she had lost her soulmate due to this story. And she this is like this is her finally speaking out in February of 2016. This broke in July of 2015. So for seven months, she hasn't really said anything. And she says, quote, seven months, I stayed suffering and depressed, protecting you while losing everything. I didn't release anything. So she's saying she's not even the one that released these texts. She didn't release these nudes. She's like, I didn't do any of this. I never threatened to release a sex tape, but you decided to let the world make me a villain and you the victim and you weren't. She's like, I have three and a half years of truth I could spill. 
but I'm not. And she said, but I'm not hiding anymore and I'm not carrying your shame. It's too heavy for me. So here you can have it back now. So, I mean, there is like an interesting thing. Like she doesn't really gain anything from this. She literally, uh, her rep said she has been offered so many, much money for tell-alls, interviews. She's turned them all down. But he's like, on the other hand, she's not a chump and she's not going to stand by while Tiger goes on radio shows and says that the whole association is a fabrication. Like the text and the relationship are in fact real. So that's Mia's story. I mean, uh, I read a really uh, great, uh, it'll be in our show notes, but I read a great interview with her from Vice uh, where I believe the writer was also transgender. So it was like a really interesting story about how Mia sort of inspired the writer with their own identity. Mia says in the article, like the porn industry was like a real catalyst of her self-acceptance for her. She said that the reason that she didn't do interviews about this was because they wanted her to perpetuate the sense of shame against a trans attracted person. And I wasn't going to do that. Um, And she later said that she and Cap were in love, but she made him walk away to protect his brand. So who knows? So that's the sort of gossipy story that I think this was based on. Obviously, no one in the real life story is murdered. SVU obviously kicks it up a notch for us. But that is the story that the episode is based on. And I'm glad no one's murdered. Yes, of course. I'm glad no one's murdered. <laughs> I think it's an interesting thing with uh, what we, you guys talked about in a previous episode with like what happened to Katie Hill after her nudes were leaked, her consequences and Tyga has this affected Tyga's life in any way. Right. That's so true. I mean, it, it's also different politics versus the music industry. But just men but, versus yeah, women. That's I very think. true. Yeah. And trans or any other sort of type of uh, relationship, it sucks being felt like you need to be kept a secret or judged in a way or like someone someone that you love is ashamed of you and you have to hide like that fucking sucks. That doesn't make Mm -hmm. anyone feel good. Yeah. And I mean, she stood by for like seven months saying nothing. And then finally, I think when he went on the radio and was like continuing to deny that they even knew each other was like, fuck this. And it sucks that people, I don't know, or I don't even know the word. Like, don't look. It just sucks that people can't do whatever they want to do. Yeah, I think like that's my whole thing is like, let everybody live the life they want to live. I don't it doesn't it doesn't affect you that someone what bathroom someone uses. It doesn't affect you who someone has sex with. It just, none of it affects you. Like, well, cause in a part of, even though Tyga, I guess is like the villain of the story in certain way. Like he also can't live his truth because he's scared that he won't be respected and his right. reputation and his career will go down in flames. So even though he's like not being nice to Mia in whatever way, he's also the victim of this. If this is all uh, true, you know, allegedly. It sucks all around. I mean, and he probably, I mean, like, for all we know, he has a Vincent love in his life. That's like, I don't give a shit what you do, but you do not admit to knowing this person. Like, this will ruin your rap career, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's, you know, plenty of literature out there about, like, the deep, you know, homophobia in the hip-hop community and stuff. Which I know certain rappers, like Frank Ocean and stuff, people are trying to really work on but that. People but people are mean. I mean, I'm obsessed with Lil Nas X and people are mean to him online. I follow him and people. Yeah, he handles course. it so well and funny, but I'm sure it takes a toll on you and people. I mean, I don't get I people say awful things to me on the Internet all the time. Yeah. No, the Internet's garbage. <laughs> well, let's get excited for our guests. <laughs> All right, time for our guest, Lisa 
You know that we have a quest to EGOT on this show to have an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and a Tony winner. And today we are knocking that G right out of the way. We have a three-time Grammy winner, a musical superstar sensation who I truly have been obsessed with since college. He is working on an animated Netflix film called The Prince of Port-au-Prince about his life and can't wait to check that out. And I bet you guys cannot wait to check out our interview with the one and only Wyclef Jean. This is fantastic. I mean, we obviously up top have to just like take a couple minutes and like tell you what huge fans we are. Like the Eclectic album is truly the soundtrack of my college years. Like we are, my friends and I were so obsessed with you. It was um, it's embarrassing, actually, to kind of tell you. You came to my school, you came to Trinity College and performed and two of my friends got up and sang. One of them did the hope. My name is Hope Yo rap with you on Perfect Gentleman. And the other one sang the Mary J part on 911. So my friends were very, very Wyclef centric fans. That's beautiful. <laughs> and then I lip synced to the Fugees at a talent show in third grade. So we are <laughs> in overalls. <laughs> so You know, what's real cool about that is because it's like, you know, as like a kid, like you're doing music. And you do them like in sections. So you'd be like, okay, Fuji's my high school years. You know what I mean? And you'd be like, okay, I'm in this college dorm. Like, you know, what, what are we going to do? Then we build a college band, you know? And right. So, yo, let's just do an album, make it sound like a dorm album. So it's just dope that, you know, to just hear these stories because the music really connect to who we was trying to connect it to, you know? Yeah, we we were like obsessed. I just re-listened to it like this week and was like, there's just not a bad track on Eclectic. I just love it so much. It's such a great album. <laughs> but but now we're going to talk about Vincent Love, evil, <laughs> bad man. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, we obviously brought you here not just to gush about how much we love your music, but your turn as an actor, which obviously you've acted in a few things, but this is the one we're the most interested in. Um, how did this come about? Like, had you like been interested in doing the show or did they just like come to you with this character or like, what was the, what was the story? Um, well, for me, it's sort of like, I would say like Jamie Foxx, it started for me like that, but you see how the acting worked for him and then the music worked for me. So that's sort of like the role. So when I first started off, I was, um, doing, uh, off Broadway. Like that was like one of my gigs. So I started off, more people thought I was going to be like a Broadway actor because I'm like very, I'm like mod, wow. theatrical, you know? So, <laughs> um, I, I started doing something called, um, we did actually a Shakespearean version of The Twelfth Night. And we took all of the characters. This is like way before Hamilton, right? So I had to be like 16, 17. And we did a hip hop musical. So we took Shakespeare and flipped it like the Twelfth Night. And this was like so ahead of its time. So for me, um, I always identify with Shakespeare a lot because growing up like in the hood, it's like you read to escape, you know what I mean? And it's sort of like with Shakespeare, like you would escape. And it was sort of like playing a video game because there was all these different rooms, all these different sets. So the idea of acting has always been in my forefront, but it just, the music just took it the other way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This, it was just a natural thing for me. I liked the vibe, you know, and, and I thought that 
um, I could bring something to it. You know what I mean? We loved your delivery of the lines, like so <laughs> unbothered and like chill. And this is how, like, did you work on that? Was that natural? Was that directing? How did you come up with that cadence and how he spoke? Um, well, for me, it's sort of like, um, so there's two forms of acting. And it's so funny because my daughter is 16 and I try to get her into everything. Like I was like, yo, you're going to be put her in piano, put her in dance, put her in. And she clearly was started bugging me that I want to be an actress for the past year. What is so funny about your question? And she was clear. She was like, I'm going to do like commercial acting. I'm going to do TV. I'm going to, and she was like, I'm not, I don't really want to do theater, which was kind of interesting for someone to be so young. So at a very young age, um, I understood, you know, with the camera, the subtle is where it works at. You know what I mean? So for me, mm. um, it was very natural as this conversation because a lot of people be thinking like when the cameras is on, if you could transmit, I mean, the people can't see us, they could just hear us. But if you could transmit this uh, simplicity of the Zen, that's what we all are, you know? So it was pretty cool. Before you did SVU, like, had you been a fan of the show? Did you like know Ice-T through the music industry? Like, was there any connection to the show, like pre doing it? Ice-T is the godfather, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, we know. We love him. <laughs> Nobody don't know no Ice-T. Ice-T, I've toured with him before, you know, I've done shows with him before. Just like a huge fan of his. And it's because like of Ice-T that like you don't want to put yourself in a box, you know? Like he shows you like you could be from a rural area. And when it comes to the idea of like show business, don't take one part of the game. It's so big. Just take the entire thing and have fun with it. That's what I learned from Ice-T. You've collaborated with Ludacris and he's one of our favorite cameos on SVU too. Did you guys talk about his SVU episode? Do you have lots of friends who've done SVU episodes? <laughs> um, well, shout out to Ludacris. You know, <laughs> I know a lot of people that have done SVU and it's sort of like a great palette because what it does is it shows the entertainer like in a completely different form. Um, Luder is very brilliant, um, at what he does, you know, um, also, you know, we've been in the studio together. He's like a real, like calm dude, like, and, you know, like behind, like talks in a soft and, and then when he turn, jumps on stage, he just turns into this maniac. Um, pretty incredible. <laughs> and you were a music exec and you've played a music exec in Nashville before. Is there, um, Anyone that you based this character on or that character on? You must have met some evil ma music executives that you based this on. <laughs> you know, I left, I came from Haiti when I was 10 years old and I grew up in Marlboro Projects in Coney Island. And, you know, at the time the projects was ran by the mob, you know what I mean? And just a little kid barely could speak English trying to figure out the world. Um, so I think like the feds, this is a real story. I think the feds called me HS, Haitian Sinatra. So my entire life, I've been like, like half of my, my crew is gangsters. You feel me? Like I came up, but you know, I was not into that. I just wanted to sing new York, new York. <laughs> um, and going like growing up in the music business, 
there's a whole dark side to it. You know what I mean? So there's a whole like mob orientated street side to it. So, I mean, all I did was like literally just channeled like um, one of the conversations I probably heard or seen um, the person come to my room, you know, or because, you know, mobsters are very sinister, but they're funny. And they're like chess players. Like you never know where they're going. Um, and then at the end, you just get whacked, you know? So it was sort of like um, to give people, and they're very charismatic. Like you just be like, oh, I want to hang with this person. You know, until they hit you in the head with a bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just channeling some of the dark side of the music business that I came up with. You know what I mean? Is there a character that you are dying to play or you want to play in the future that's not a record exec? Um, I'm very conflicted, right? Because I uh, right now I'm working on uh, my movie for Netflix, Prince of Port-au-Prince. Oh. Which would be about the first 10 years of my life, how you escape poverty through imagination. And it's going to be like on the level of um, The Lion King. You know, you everyone listening, you hear what the sound of Hades sound like. We plan to give you words to sing along with. Um, so I've always been interested in the idea of composing and scoring. So what always happens is with the seriousness of an actor or an actress, you have to put the same amount of time that you put in. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, if I sold like a hundred million records, I did Shakira, I did all of that. Like, if I was trying to do a movie with Will Smith, I probably would have never did that because the same time that Will Smith requires to do that film, I'm required to be in the studio if I'm trying to make magic, you know? So that probably would have been the conflict. The role that I knew that I would have killed, that I passed on because I was in the studio, I think at the time, I probably was working with Whitney Houston. I think a role came and I knew I would have killed the role. It was Last King of Scotland. And oh, yeah. It was ill because I would have played an ED. I mean, um, I'm like real good with impersonation. I was like going to play an ED. I mean, like one of his ministers. So, you know, they tell me I have to talk in, in this kind of accent. So for me, <laughs> oh, this is a natural accent because where I come from, this is a lot of the accent how people talk. But you see the place where ED. I mean, come. The accent more deep. You see your voice go more deep like that. So I auditioned for the character. I felt that it was good. But then I I, I asked the people, I said, hey, how long do I have to be in Africa? The, uh, seven months. I said, no, 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 I can't do that. I have to be in the studio with Whitney Houston, you know? So. <laughs> oh my God. Was that to do My Love Is Your Love? Yes. Oh my God. One of the best. One of the best songs in the world. Thank you. Now, you know, so, um, but for sure, I, I, I plan in the future, but now my focus is as a composer, um, focusing on music that can uh, penetrate the soul more as a composer. So I'm very excited about that. In your career, you have covered um, a lot of songs. Is there a song you haven't covered yet that you want to? Oh, man, I'm like obsessed with covers. I think like I'm an indoor karaoke maniac and no one knows that. Oh my God. One of our other questions on our list is what's your, what's your karaoke song? We wanted to know what's your go-to karaoke song. God, you're going to trip out. It's yes. Owner of a lonely heart. 
<laughs> straight high school go-to. That's a great one. Um, so during the pandemic, have you been karaokeing in your house a lot? <laughs> Is that what Wyclef has been doing? I, I definitely get down. We got the karaoke. Karaoke is very, very serious, you know? Um, when you take the mic, you know, we expect you to take this as if you are performing at the Grammys, at the crib. We take karaoke very seriously. You've worked with like so many so, like famous people. Do you think there's anybody that you've worked with or that you're friends with that would be a great SVU addition? Someone to be a good character on SVU? Mary J. Blige. Oh my her. God. She would be amazing. She's definitely, she's the truth. <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but I read in an article that she likes to mix Funyuns and Cheetos together. And then, so then I started doing that because she did that. <laughs> but I don't know if that's <laughs> something you've ever seen. Actual. <laughs> <laughs> it is factual. <laughs> no, she's a legend for sure. This has been incredible. Yeah. This, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. This was yeah. amazing. Probably too much information, but I did have my first kiss to No Woman, No Cry from the Fugees. So just <laughs> in case you're, in case you wanted to know. Okay. At a summer, at a summer camp dance. I'm at the rock. <laughs> you ready? I'm a rock Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> ready? Yes. Yes. A first summer kiss. <laughs> Oh, my God. God. (laughs) Thank you so much. That just literally blew my mind. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my day. Oh, my God. Well, (laughs) I'm dead, so I can't do a postmortem. Can you do a postmortem on me? Because I'm I'm a deceased person and um, cause of death. Remix Wyclef first kiss Kara song. I mean, he likes, I can't believe he just grabbed a guitar and started singing to you. I'm literally still friends with the guy I had my first kiss with. I like have to send this to him. (laughs) I also need to tell you guys that while we could only play 10 seconds of this song for you legally, uh, Wyclef actually did serenade us for two full minutes or more. And fully changed the lyrics to be about me and my summer camp first kiss. And it was, I was like on another planet. It was amazing. And I'm really upset that there are copyright laws in this country. Like who else in this planet has gotten a private concert from Wyclef Jean on zoom? We might be the only ones (laughs) that we didn't pay for. (laughs) Yeah. no. And I did take a music business class once and yeah, laws suck and we wish we could have shared more, but. It's our special secret. <laughs> it was really good. And I'm really glad I learned that Mary J. Bl- that it is a true fact. And I'm not just eating Cheetos and Funyuns together in vain. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to be like Mary. That was amazing. No, he is a fucking legend. I love him. He's accomplished so much. He didn't have to do this podcast. It's just like such a nice lesson to see someone so huge want to keep working, be passionate, gracious, nice. I mean, it's like so nice to see that. Yeah. Don't ever be too cool for school. 
that's kind of what the lesson is there. But what did we learn from this episode, Lisa? Postmortem. I mean, first of all, I guess our huge takeaway is that there's nothing wrong with loving a trans person. You can do that. And that is perfectly fine. And everyone needs to stop being the blonde woman from this episode about it. Yeah. Can't wait for a post-gender world. I don't know. (laughs) It's like such a simple lesson, but it's like, fuck, let people live. Damn. Like I know so much pain and this guy has also the no snitching rule is not real like snitch don't go to jail for 25 years don't go to jail for 25 years for a music executive that doesn't give a shit about you who's literally just gonna make money on your shit while you're gone yeah i mean maybe you'll get good commissary but (laughs) nothing will make up for freedom yeah no that it, it really was like a bad bad decisions all around from hype unfortunately um, I was just going to say in terms of the real case, the same, it's the same thing. I mean, the real like quote unquote scandal is literally about um, someone hiding the fact that they might be in a relationship with a trans person, which is not OK and not uh, shouldn't be something that happens. And we shouldn't like I don't know, we just shouldn't sensationalize it within media and blogs of like, oh, my God, can you believe? like I don't know. I mean, we're obviously always going to care about celebrities cheating on their sp- on their significant others. We're always going to care about that, unfortunately. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm going to be a giant hypocrite because I'm going to be like, don't gossip, stop gossiping. And it's like, that <laughs> please, <one> I, would- <laughs> I sustain myself on gossip. It's my <laughs> it's my food. Um, and yeah, I guess that's kind of it. I mean, this is a little bit of a more, you know, it's like the music industry. It's a little bit. It's not like an every man story. You know, this is uh, there's not I don't think as many uh, as many lessons you can take and put into your regular life as in some like, you know, another episode. But I have one. If you're going to have kids, be like Eva's parents and support them. Yes, exactly. I loved Eva's parents. They were so sweet. So yeah, whatever. If my kid comes to me and tells me that she's anything, I accept it. I accept her for anything. Also, she is. if you are dating someone, you cannot pretend not to know them in public. No. That is a lesson, too. If you've had sex with someone, you cannot ignore them in public. You cannot do that. That is crazy. Yeah, I would just say, like, we all have a lot to learn about trans rights and like transphobia is rampant. And we really I just would encourage everyone listening to sort of just do some research, like think like read about it. I know it's confusing when people are like, well, do I I don't know how to say they them and I don't know how to do he she and they like whatever. Like when someone is is changing their pronouns, you just have to work on it and try because we have to do this as a society. This is reality. And you fuck up all the time. But if your heart is open, it's like it's, you know, like everyone in that episode was so on purpose being the worst. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't have to be if you're trying, it's OK to fuck up sometimes like it's but you need to be trying. Yeah. OK, and now it is time for what would Sister Peg do? This is our weekly segment where we point you towards organizations, resources, articles that can shed some more light on the topics that we've covered in today's episode. Today, we would like to direct you all to the Trans Lifeline. That is translifeline.org. It is run by and for trans people. It is a grassroots hotline and 501c3 nonprofit that is offering direct emotional and financial support to trans people in crisis. And um, they've been doing amazing work for a really long time. Uh, we would encourage you to please check out the website and donate or get involved in any way that you can. And next week's episode is Sugar, Season 11, Episode 2. You can watch that on Hulu and Peacock. And we cannot wait to see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye now. 
That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmessedappod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmessedappod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to SVU Superfan and our incredible producer, Hannah Kyle Creighton. And to our sound engineer and personal hero, Annalise Nelson. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song. To Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thanks to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. Dun, dun. dun. <laughs>